Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with Whistle Realty Group and EXP Realty in San Diego. And I am Brian Kochi, Director of Media here at Whistle Realty Group. The goal of the show is to give you the tools and techniques to go out there and crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. And rather than guessing at what questions you have for us, we will just listen to you. And so we listen when you submit questions at thewhistleway.com thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and podcast. You can also join our referral network, our Facebook group, and our email newsletter to get tips and tricks of what we're working on in our office. And lastly, you can get dialed in with our Media Mayor Mastermind Masterclass, which is Brian and I teaching you everything you need to know to crush with video in 2022, whether you're just starting out and you're shooting with a cell phone or you got a whole film crew. Uh, We're going to teach you everything from simple one-to-one videos to send out to your database, to send out to your buyers and sellers to separate yourself from the competition. We're going to teach you how to shoot killer community videos, listing videos, how to distribute your videos, how to run ads, how to do follow-up, and ultimately how to turn these uh, content, what would they be, viewers and content guests into clients. So uh, thewhistleway.com, get all the details on all of that stuff on there. If you enjoy the show today, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that little thumbs up button, let YouTube know that you're enjoying the show. And if you want to get notified of future episodes of the show, hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell. And if you are listening on a podcast platform, hook us up with a review on there. Those reviews go a very long way. All right, Brian, what do we got today? This um, is all the energy Brian's got left in the tank. He's going to let it all go right now. Let's go. That's that's all I had. Uh, so many people know you as a, a team leader, a a real estate agent, someone who's done lots of deals in the past. Um, And one of the things I think that uh, we take for granted is you as a resource in terms of, again, now we see you more and more as a team leader, CEO, uh, that type of thing. I think we take for granted how good you are at at actually negotiating deals. Um, I mean, you helped me sell my house and you helped me buy my house. And so um, I want to share with you guys watching Kind of some of your, your big negotiation tips. One, to help um, get offers accepted. Some of the key things that you can do. Um, and two, some of the things that you can negotiate um, on the sales side on how to get more for your seller. Okay. I don't know. The buyer side's going to be way easier. I don't know how you're going to do what the seller one looks like, but yeah, for I'll sure. you figure it out. All right. Well, let's just start with some of the basics of negotiating. Um, And the number one mistake that I see people make, especially today in negotiating, is they try to do it all via text. So whether it be text messages or via emails, everybody's trying to negotiate via text or an email today. And yes, I get that all of our communication for the most part is via text. It's all digital today. Um, And Zuckerberg wants to make it even more digital. I don't know about this whole meta thing, I'm sure probably go back and pull this clip years from now they basically want to like strip you who you are as a human and make you a virtual person and um i'm not i don't know if i'm a fan of it might be because i'm now 40 so i could talk like an old guy um but i i got to like spend so much time this weekend with a bunch of close friends and virtually no phones and it was so nice to just truly be like connected to people and have conversations and um and not be in this whole digital world and i think there's too much of a dependency on that stuff right now from what i've seen is the, the metaverse, is that the exact same thing as EXP World? It, some might say that, yeah. I mean, I'm sure is they're going to probably take it to another level because they might have oh, a few they, more they dollars. Oh, they should. But, they better. Um, something along those lines, yeah. 
there's and actual it, it looks real exactly estate that the you same. purchase and yeah it's i mean it's like sims or roblox or some of these other things that are, are very sims. popular right now god um, i love sims yeah but i don't anyway. love so the thing <laughs> is to get back out of the rabbit hole and back on track is you have to actually pick up the fucking phone and have a conversation with somebody if you want to truly negotiate because the thing is when you're sending a text or you're sending an email you're giving people time to process and you're giving people time to respond and you have zero tone in the response that they give you. Well, as a good salesperson, I can read somebody extremely well based on the speed in which they respond, right? When I ask somebody a question, if it takes them a while to respond, I know that there's a lack of confidence if they take too long to respond because they're trying to think like, shit, what do I say? What do I say? I don't know. Like, that shows weakness in a negotiation. Um, I could tell by the tone with which they respond. I could tell by the length of the response, right? You all know there's like that analogy, just take a you know ball of spaghetti and throw it against the wall to see what sticks. Like people do that when they're in a negotiation and they, they're out of control. They just like, they just say so much shit, hoping like one of the things they say actually is gonna stick when in reality, they're just showing how weak their position is. So. I can't get all of that in a text message. I can't get all of that in an email. And so I think the most important thing, I don't care if you're getting into this industry and you're 18 years old, pick up the fucking phone. If you're 118, put the fax machine down and pick up the phone. Like <laughs> Your fax machine probably has a phone attached to it with a cord, pick it up. Like we have to actually talk to people. Um, and so whether that be face to face, whether that be via Zoom or whether that be via phone call or FaceTime or whatever, um, you got to have an actual conversation with somebody so you can read someone. Because um, a good salesperson can read the person on the other end. And so I would say that's number one most important thing when it comes to negotiating. Okay. So now when you're negotiating for your buyers, what are some of the things that you're trying to get? So obviously sales price is, is the obvious negotiation, right? And so for, for veteran agents, list, agents listening to this, they probably know a couple of these. But for new agents listening in, they go, I, you know, it's price, but what else? What else can can you negotiate on your buyer's behalf? I mean, there's there's three primary objectives when you're trying to negotiate a deal, and this is whether it's with for a buyer or for a seller. Okay. Number one is get a deal done. Most importantly, right? Like, we got to get a deal done. Otherwise, none of it matters. So, first and foremost, if a buyer is hiring me and they found the house they want, the number one objective is get them the freaking deal. So, that's uh, that's paramount. But then in addition to that, it's gonna be at the right price and the right terms. And now we have to have a clear understanding that price and terms are not of equal importance to every person. Mm -hmm. Some people, the terms are gonna be more important. When I say terms, it could be how quickly does the deal close? It could be how long do they have to get their inspection done? Or how long do they have to get their loan done? Or um, yeah, does the seller need to rent it back afterwards? Because even though this might be the perfect house, Right, we're in a weird situation with our office right now where we're gonna have to double move and it sucks. If there was a way to have avoided that, right, we would have loved to do that. Um, so if somebody's in a situation where their lease is ending on their current house and they found a house they really want, but that seller needs four months in the house, that those terms might not line up. So that deal might not work. Even though they'd be willing to pay more money, if the terms don't make sense, the price doesn't matter. So there could be that scenario. And then you just have other people like, hey, I'm renting a month to month. When I find the right deal, I'm good. I don't really care if the, the seller needs, wants a quick close, I'll close quick. 
if they want to close in four months, I'm good with that too. Um, so I would say price and terms are going to be the other two, you know, primary um, items of importance. But it's not always going to be the same for every buyer. Some buyers, the terms are more important, and some, the price is more important. So we went through some of the terms, right? We, you said uh, rent back, uh, closing yeah, I mean, it's, time. It's close. The contingency periods or due diligence periods, depending on where, where you're at in the world. Um, and then does the seller need extra time in the house after it closes? Or we refer to that as a rent back here in, in California. Um, so does the seller want to stay in the house after it closes while they move on to their next you know, residence? And there's also things like appliances, uh, home warranty, uh, credits. Is, would that be part of the terms? That would be all terms. Okay. I mean, yeah. So, and again, now these can vary from even city to city, but state to state. Um, here in California or in San Diego, it's extremely common that a buyer is going to have an inspection done on a property and then they can request repairs on it. Where if you're up in the Bay Area right now in, in San Francisco area, like there are no inspections. Like you could do one for your own informational purposes, but there's no repairs made. So we got to understand these things are all going to be a little bit different from location to location. Um, so those are those are all going to be factors. There's, and you're like here we have something called a natural hazard disclosure, which that doesn't exist in other states. So there's going to be a lot of like state to state, you know, stuff that's going to vary. But the primary things that are going to be universal is closing time um, in, you know, the contingency periods or due diligence periods. Um, those are all going to be very common. And then the third is just going to be how long, like when is the seller actually going to move? Are they going to move prior to close or are they going to need to stay in the house for a period of time after it closes? One of the things I want to go back a couple minutes to what you said is that number one is getting the deal closed. And so what I really like to hear from that, and I saw you do this on my deal when you helped me buy my house, is it's not a me versus them type thing. It's definitely a collaborative. Now, obviously, you want to get your buyers the best price. They want to get their sellers the best price. But the goal is to get a deal done. And I feel like you can do that typically a lot better when you're working together rather than kind of going head to head, right? For sure. And that all comes from having conversations with the agent, right? So assuming we're in the buying role, um, we got to have a conversation with the listing agent before we write an offer. Um, I can't tell you how many offers I've received as a listing agent where I've never had a conversation with the person. They've never asked a single question. And I've got a seller, like I just sold one, the seller wanted four months from the time that we listed the home. So they wanted a two month escrow and then two months to rent it back afterwards. They wanted four months. Well, somebody comes in with a 10 day close. Well, guess what? You freaked my seller out. My seller, the last thing my seller wanted was a 10 day close. You actually hurt yourself. You thought you were helping yourself by coming in with a 10 day close because you wanted to look strong, but you actually freaked the seller out. Um, So that's why it's so important too to have a conversation is Yes, my goal is to get my buyer, one, get them the house they want, two, get it at the right price, and three, get it at the terms they want. And again, two and three are interchangeable. But at the same time, the way that I focus on number one, which is getting them the house, is understanding what's important to the seller, right? So anytime I'm going to be submitting an offer for a buyer, I want to have a conversation with the seller's agent, and I want to find out what's important to the seller, right? What's their situation and what's important to them? Do they want a quick close? Do they want a long close? Do they, you know, if they just finished a deal that fell through and it was because the buyer did an inspection and asked for a million repairs, okay, well, maybe your your seller's a little bit gun shy about the inspection right now. So if we could do something to, you know, mitigate that 
by coming in with a short inspection period or none because we already have a report, maybe that could make it more attractive for the seller. So I need to know that. Um, I need to know, do they want to stay after it closes and rent it back? Like, I got to ask a series of questions. So one, I want to know what's the seller's situation, what's important to them. And then the question that people don't ask a lot of times is, let's assume you're the agent, Brian, on the other end. Hey, Brian, so I know, understand what's important to the seller. Boom, 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 boom. Brian, what's important to you in the offer? And it's mm. amazing. That question is so rarely asked. But maybe it's, I want certain service providers. I want a certain title company or whatever. Um, ask me those questions. Because when you do, you're like, okay. Like, if an agent asks me, I'm like, okay, this guy wants to get a deal done, right? They're, gonna, they're a team player, and they're going to do it, what it takes to get a deal done. Most people, they just blindly write an offer, never ask a single question, and then write a 10-day close offer with all their preferred service providers. And it's like, well, you, you shot yourself in the foot. If we could have just had a quick conversation, we would have been able to address a lot of these issues, and that could have helped you make your offer more attractive. So um, ask a series of questions to understand what's the seller's situation, and maybe they won't share that with you, but you got to ask. Um, and then what's important to the seller, and then what's important to the agent. Those are the three things that I want to try to get every time when I'm representing a buyer prior to writing an offer. Now, we have a offer submission portal that you use when you have uh, things listed, so that way you're not getting an email here, someone's not texting you an offer. Um, as a listing agent, do you think it would be, now obviously it depends on the situation of, of your seller, but do you think it would be valuable adding that information in on the listing portal? Hey, they're, they're looking to have a longer rent back, like these are the things that are most important to them? Uh, you, you run into issues fitting everything because on our MLS, it's called confidential remarks or agent remarks in other areas. You can only fit so many characters in that space. And if you try to put too much in there, a lot of things get lost. Okay. Like the more important things like submitting, don't email or fax me the offer, submit it here. If I put too much stuff in that block, agents <laughs> have, you know, a lot of agents are extremely high Ds and forget how to read. Um, so by putting too much information in there, sometimes it does more harm than good, where you think you're helping, but then you put so much stuff in there, they actually read none of it, and so they miss the stuff that's really important. So we try to really only put the most pertinent stuff in that, those agent or confidential remarks. Cool. Um, what else helps with, with your, is there a book that you would recommend, or an audio book, or a? Yeah, I mean, Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference, um, is, it's like the book you have to have. It starts to teach you about like, oh, it seems like, it sounds like, it feels like. Uh, what I hear you saying is like, there's there's so many great things that he teaches in that book and his masterclass and the masterclass app is is phenomenal as well. Um, so he's kind of the, the de facto source for helping with negotiation. So if you want to learn more about negotiating, like he'd be the guy I'd be studying. I had something else, I forgot it. Okay. Well, you want to hit on sellers? Sure. So on the seller side, what how do you how do you run that? Yeah, so um, same thing on the seller side is you know we want to have conversations with people, and I want to feel people out a lot of times and and see uh, I probe and, and this is on either buy side or sell side. So even if I'm on the buy side, you know I'll ask an agent a lot of times like hey you know um, how are the offers coming in? What's it going to take to get this deal done? And and a lot of listing agents will shut you down, and that's totally okay. But then what I'll usually do is I'll, I'll throw numbers out there. So right now I think our average price is about 800,000. So let's just assume it's an 800K listing. I'll float it out there. I'll be like, hey, you know, Brian, where do, where do we need to come in at to get this deal done? And you're like, oh, well, just put your best foot forward. You know, we're gonna, 
just do everything you can because that's what most agents will say. And be like, hey, Brent, I totally, totally understand. Um, it sounds like 800 might not be enough to get it done. If we came in at 825, do you think that would get the deal done, Brian? And then I'm going to pay attention to how you respond. How quickly are you responding? How confidently are you responding? And how much are you talking? Because if you're like, no, that's not going to get it done. I know it's actually well above that. Yep. Where if you take a while to respond and you talk too much, you're actually showing, ah, you might actually be bullshitting me. Um, so those are, I'll start to probe and they'll be like, nah, 825 is not, okay, dude, I mean, would, it, would 850 even have a chance? Like I'll throw stuff like that out there just to try to feel them out to see what their response is. And again, via text, they could bullshit me. It's easy. It's a lot harder to bullshit somebody face to face or over the phone. Cool. Um, so on the sell side, you know, now my job is to, again, one, get the deal done. That doesn't change, right? That's always our job is get the deal done. Um, and then again, sellers and buyers are going to be, or sellers, there's going to have some sellers who are more worried about the price and some that are more worried about the terms. And, and then what I've seen a lot is sellers who are more worried about who the buyer is, which I think is crazy. Um, I could not care less who buys my house. Like we sold my house and my wife's like, oh my gosh, they're doing all this work to it. They said they weren't going to do it. I was like, you couldn't care. for them. <laughs> they paid the highest price in the history of the city. They could do whatever the hell they want to the house. I could not care less what they do. Uh, well, the more HOA power care. to them. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not the HOA. So you do whatever the hell you want to the house. I do not care who moves into my house. Dude, I love my old neighbors. Yeah. If somebody came in and I couldn't stand the person, but they were still paying the highest price, sorry, neighbors. Like, I'm not going to leave money on the table for my old neighbors that I maybe never see again. Like, that's silly. Just be like, fine, I'll um, choose this person. You guys just have to give us 200K and we'll yeah. call it even. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want these guys moving in, it's 200 grand. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are sellers, though, that, that it does matter to. And while to me that's insane, to other people it matters. So yeah. if it matters to your seller, then your job is to, you know, do what matters to your seller. So um, you're, you got to get the job done. More important, most importantly, some sellers, like I just had a guy sell, he netted like $3 million from the sale. Like, did he care if he netted 2.8, 2.9, 3.13? Like, does it really going to change this person's life? Like, not really. Um, terms were more important to him, like getting a deal done. And there was some tax things that he had to contend with. So to him, the terms were more important, getting it done by a set date mattered a lot to him less than the price. Um, and then I've had others where they're like, just give me, just show me the money, right? Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Um, so we got to understand where our seller is coming from. Um, most importantly, and then what's more fun on the sell side is we have no obligation to share where offers come in at. We cannot lie, so we have not allowed to lie because we have a um, code of ethics that we have to uphold, but we don't ever have to tell people where other offers are. And so one of the, the best deals I ever did, there, were, there was this property that was sitting, 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 and it was in somewhat of a, a rural area sitting, 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 and we were listed at, I think we had dropped price two or three times, and I think we we're at 950 on the price. And I get two lowball offers, and then I get one offer at full price. And I'm, when I'm talking lowball, these ones are like, one was in the sevens, one was in the eights, and then I get one at mm. full price at 950. Well, here's what's great is I'm, I can now go back to all three people, and I can say, hey, here's the situation. I've got three offers on the table. Um, the sellers asked me to go back to all buyers, request their highest and best offers. Um, we're going to put a deadline on this of Friday at uh, 3 o'clock, whatever the timing is. 
And now the buyers, some buyers will just snap back and write a response because, again, they don't have conversations. But then some buyers will call and say, like, hey, what's it going to take to get this thing done? Again, I have no obligation to tell anybody where the other offers are at. But if somebody comes back and says, hey, what's, you know, what do we need to do to get this thing done? Now, at this point, I'd be like, look, man, I got three offers on the table. Like, if you can come up to a million fifty, I can get this deal done for you. I don't have to tell them that the other offers are at seven and eight hundred. I have no obligation to do that. That's my job is to negotiate on my seller's behalf. And in that scenario, I got my seller a hundred thousand more than the list price because I had those two other offers on the table. I didn't lie. I did nothing to. And you didn't do break. anything shady. You didn't be like, "Hey, Jeremy, put an offer in on bullshit offer." Like you didn't. And do I anything didn't shady. lie and be like, "Oh yeah, well." Yeah, all three of you guys are right there neck and neck. I said, hey, if you can do this, I can get the deal for you. Yeah. Um, and now I ended up getting 100000 more when they were already 100000 over the next closest offer. Like That's the beauty when you're on the sell side is you have a little bit more of the power um, where you can do things like that. Um, I'm a really big fan, and this goes whether I'm on the buy side or the sell side, if I would you or could you. right? Like, If I can get you the deal, can you come up to a million fifty? And I would do that on the flip side too, on the buy side. Like, if we can come up to a million fifty, can you get me the deal? Um, we just I like out. that. That's a really good nugget right there. Yeah. So we just did that on one over the weekend. Um, I was helping one of the agents out on a deal, um, and we got to the point, and we got the agent to say, like, if you can come up to seven ninety five, it's yours. Done. Right. Like, if I would you, or if I could you. Um, so I'll use that whether I'm on the buy side or the sell side all the time. Um, real quick, because we kind of mentioned. These I just want your Spitfire answer. On the buy side, do you recommend having your um, buyers do a, a love letter about 100% me? 100% of the time. 100%. On the sell side, do you present that to your sellers? I strongly discourage them from looking at them okay. until after they've picked an offer. <laughs> they look at it like, can I unaccept this or what's up? Um, escalation clause on the buy side. Um, I'm a fan if I'm on the buy side. And on the sell side? I will use it against you. Okay. So if you write me an escalation clause, let's just run that scenario again. If you're like, I'll pay 5000 over the highest offer received up to a million fifty, you just told me you're willing to pay a million fifty. Guess what? I'm going to counter yeah. your ass at a million fifty because I know you're willing to pay it. Or maybe even higher. Five grand over it. <laughs> yeah. So um, now I'm not going to lie to you and be like, oh, I got an offer at a million forty five, so you need to pay a million fifty. But if you write me an escalation clause that says you'll pay five grand over up to a million fifty, you just said I'm willing to pay a million fifty. I'm gonna take the million fifty from you. So if you're writing an escalation clause on the buy side, do you do that up too? I like to leave it blank. And the most important thing, if you're on the buy side, you have to have a conversation with the listing agent first. It's so funny how many people just blindly send an escalation clause. That's worthless. Like if you don't talk again, we're tied right back to where we started this thing. Like I gotta have a conversation with the listing agent, make sure they're on board. Because an escalation clause, if it's not signed by the seller, it's invalid. It's worthless. Just because you wrote it doesn't mean I'm honoring it. I have to agree to it. And when I say I, I mean we, me and the seller, have to agree to it. If my seller doesn't sign saying, okay, I'm cool with this escalation clause, it has no weight. Now, my, not my current house, but my last house, I bought with an escalation clause. I talked to the agent. Agent was cool with it. Seller was cool with it. They signed it. And then we had a deadline. And once the offers came in, we paid X dollars above the highest offer. And, and it was ours. Um, I mean, there's really no downside, right? Because you can always back out of an escalation clause. Like if, if you get it, your 5,000 hours, say your max was a million fifty, and it went to one two, you can back out. I mean, you, you don't you're do that. You're not contractually obligated, right? Like you could say, 
oh, I, I would research Megan's Law and there's a sex offender nearby and I'm not comfortable living there. Or I did the commute and the commute was way too long. Or uh, there's a criminal in the area. Yeah. Or I lost my job or blah, blah, blah. There's a million things, right? I mean, yeah, you still have outs. Yeah. So, like somebody might not be happy if you write an escalation clause to a million fifty and then and you bail course, on them. But, yeah, that's not the so goal. So don't do that like all the time. But if it happens, I mean. Yeah, that's not the goal. But if 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 you're bidding on a place and you're like, oh, I, I thought I was going to go to a million fifty, and it went to one three, like, yeah. and it needs two hundred thousand dollars worth of work, like that's not going to happen. So cool. That's all I got for you there. Good. All right, cool. Well, before we jump into our widget of the week. Um, if you are enjoying the show today, if you're listening on a podcast platform, if you could hook us up with a review on there, we'd really appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button, let YouTube know you're enjoying the show and hit the subscribe button along with the notification bell. So you get notified of future episodes of the show. And if you are, um, wow, totally spacing out, huh? Wow. 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 If you have questions you want to have us answer <laughs> on a future episode of the show, you can go to thewhistleway.com. Ask us questions on there. Subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. Join the referral network, email newsletter, and Facebook group where we share tips and tricks. And get dialed in with our media mayor master, mastermind master class. Um, we have to change the name of it because I kind of like using master class, but there's probably a copyright, so we should look at that. Let's take out the word um, mayor so I can run an ad easier. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> um, so if you want to get dialed in with that master class where we go super deep into everything we've learned in seven years of shooting videos together, the tips, the tricks to really shortcut that learning curve so you can go out there and really incorporate video in your 2020 game plan, uh, go to thewhistleway.com. With that said, Brian, widget of the week, something you utilize to make your life easier, have more fun, make more money. What do you got for us? So this is a combination between if you like Amazon and the ease of ordering things online, and you like Costco and getting like hot tubs in, in groups of six, um, this is the app for you, uh, especially if you don't have a uh, specific time where it needs to be delivered. Uh, and this is, do you know what I'm talking about? No, you're not even listening. Nope. Uh, Alibaba or AliExpress um, is kind of like the Amazon bulk ordering thing. I know a lot of people use this to do uh, drop shipping or... Um, whatever but it's it's basically like amazon but you usually buy uh in bulk so you would buy instead of buying one microphone for nine dollars you'd buy a hundred for 50 bucks and so the cost per piece is significantly lower this is great if you are running a team and you want to have a bunch of things for your team or for your clients again the lead time it's coming from china so it's going to take a little while um but if you're building out kits of some sort um, AliExpress is kind of their consumer version, and Alibaba.com is their uh, kind of their business version. And you can get a bunch of cool shit for really cheap. It just takes a while to get here. Especially when things get stuck on shipping containers for a few months. Yeah. I bought some buttons and switches. I was going to build a little uh, box for my kids so they can do stuff, and then I was going to like wire it together, and then it got really complicated. So I've got buttons and switches in a box. <laughs> I made one of those for Nixon. I spent like $50 at Home Depot and had all these latches. And I was like, I could have just bought this shit on Amazon for like $5. Dude, it's, no, they're expensive. Are they're they? like 150 bucks to get. Oh, yeah. The sensory boxes, I think they call them. Yeah, yeah but I wanted one with, with like buttons and wires and, and lights. Okay. So I hit up my dad's friends. I'm like, can you guys do it? And they're like, it's Halloween. I can't do anything right now. I'm like, well, <laughs> talk to you later. Uh, that's when Radio Shack was good for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, well. RIP Radio Shack. 
Um, all right, cool. <laughs> I want to I wanna share. This is a new one we literally just implemented on our team um, here in the last week. And one of the things that we saw within our team is that our agents constantly, we had like a, um, we were using Workplace, we're moving over to Slack. We had this channel for haves and wants. So if you have a buyer who is looking for something particular, you would be like, oh, I got a buyer who is looking for this. And then you got a seller, you're like, I got this new listing. And it's just so hard to find stuff. And it's like somebody would post something, but you'd forget about it. And it was just a mess. So we really wanted to find a new system where we could really make things easy. So if you got a buyer who's looking for something, obviously you have your search on the MLS, but you want to know about like what's coming soon or pocket listings and whatnot, which now obviously clear cooperation you could share within your office. Um, <clears throat> so make sure you comply with all those rules, blah, blah, blah. Um, but this system allows you to, if you're working with a buyer, put your search in. And now if somebody on your team has something coming soon or they have a pocket listing, they put it in the system and the system's like, oh, well, we got a buyer, boom, it notifies you just like an IDX solution or an MLS does. But now this is for pre-MLS or pocket listings. Um, so if you have a buyer, you put the info in, or if you have a seller, you put the info in. And so it allows you, um, you know, let's say you're on the buy side of things, it allows you to look like a badass to your buyers because you're telling them about stuff that's not on the MLS yet, which is a huge degree of separation from your competition. Um, and then if you're on the sell side, um, it's really good. You're going into a listing appointment. You could punch in the details of somebody's property and you'd be like, look, I already got like four buyers in the system that are looking for a property like this. We could p possibly do this deal without ever even going on the MLS. You don't have to deal with the showings or the open houses. So um, super cool tool. It's called Raven, like the bird, Raven. Um, and yeah, super stoked on this system. This is a new one that we're just integrated into our business. Raven.io? Uh, I think it's not Raven.re. Oh, I think I, you're right. Yeah, it's .re. You're right. Yeah. That's way better. Yeah, so super cool system. Um, yeah, we're, we just implemented it, so it's still pretty new for us, but so far the agents seem to be pretty stoked on it, um, and it's, it's just a much-needed thing now, especially if you're with a bigger brokerage too, right? You can share listings within your brokerage um, and still be in compliance with clear cooperation. So the bigger the brokerage, the more beneficial this is. And the thing that I really like about it is they did, I think, a really, really good job of being able to communicate who has what, but still keeping your listing or your buyer's information private. So I can see, oh, Kyle has a, has a person for this, but they're not going to be like, yeah, go ahead and call Kyle's client, Bob and Mary. Like That's not going to be a thing. For sure. Um, but then it goes, oh, I'll call Kyle and say, hey, it says you have someone in your database. Who is it? Let's do a deal. Yep. So killer, killer system to replace a, a haves and want channel. So hopefully you guys got a ton of value out of the show today. And again, I'm Kyle Whistle with EXP here in San Diego, along with Mr. Brian Kochi. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Whistle Way podcast. See you guys next week.